Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, and movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host, Ryan Dunlevy, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Rob Dunham. Hey, everybody. All right. If you like the Film for Fans podcast, do us a favor, like, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you don't, Zack Snyder will add another hour to the Justice League movie. If you don't, I will come steal all of your digital baseball cards and pull out of a trade that I promised I would do, but I don't because I'm a liar. Sorry, that's not personal. Rob's a little bitter tonight. So, <laughs> so bitter Rob is on, is on the agenda. So this will be fun. I'm about ready to burn this thing down. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So on the show, we have... We'll be talking about another Tom Clancy product coming to the to film. I can't say to theaters because it's not coming to theaters. Uh, we're going to remember Christopher Plummer, and we will dive into the legacy that is Groundhog Day, and of course our watch list. And also, we're going to dive into the legacy that is Groundhog Day. Yes. See what I did there. <laughs> I think you did it. Yes. All right. <laughs> so you ready? Uh, as ready as I can be. All I guess, right. My bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, first news item for the day is um, we are going to talk about um, a new film coming out from Amazon starring Michael B. Jordan. Um, it's actually his production company that is coming out with this film. And it looks like I clicked on the wrong link. I put the wrong link in there. You did. Uh, yeah. So I, I had to look it up myself. Okay. So um, <laughs> the Michael B. Jordan product is another one of the Tom Clancy films. Uh, it's based on a character from uh, the Tom Clancy novel starring Michael B. Jordan, produced by his production company, um, that he made a deal with um, to release on Amazon Prime. And I believe that's coming out in late April, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Rob? That is correct. Okay. Um, so it's just, this is an interesting movie. Um, I, I have always liked Tom Clancy as an author. I've liked the Tom Clancy movies. Of course, now we also have the, uh, um, on Amazon, we have Jack Ryan starring John Krasinski, which is a TV show of the same character. They've tried to go um, numerous different reboots of the series. And uh, this is gonna be a latest one, although this will not be Jack Ryan. This will fo focus on a different character. So uh, Rob, what do you make of this? Uh, I am really excited about this because uh, the whole Rainbow Six arc, which this is part of, is something I'm a big fan of. Um, Without Remorse is one of the initial books in that arc in general and i've really liked those stories i'm a big tom clancy fan so it's cool to see some of that coming uh to a screen obviously we've seen a decent amount of that done through video games uh but not so much in the movie realm it's pretty much all the tom clancy movies have been centered around jack ryan so this yeah. is uh, this is a nice little departure from it and an expansion of the universe um i'm not sure uh 
how they'll handle Jack Ryan. Like if they'll, if they'll have him show up in the movie at all, because there is intersection between them in the books. Uh, so it would be kind of neat if John Krasinski shows up <laughs> in the movie. Um, but obviously there's no guarantee of that happening. I guess it depends on how they handle things, but having it be on Amazon makes me kind of think that might happen. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see, but I'm excited about the universe expanding because I just really, really like Tom Clancy's writing and work uh, all throughout the series that the different series that he's done. And like I said, rainbow six has a lot of material that can be used. And in fact, Michael B. Jordan, uh in uh in some of his press conferences has said he's hoping that this kind of launches a rainbow six wave of movies uh with his production company maybe him starring in them so that would be something i'd be here for for sure yeah i've always i've I've thought michael b jordan is a good actor um i think he has a lot of talent i haven't always i don't always like him um for whatever reason, I, like he's not an actor who resonates with me. Oh, he's in it. You know, I'm gonna, I really want to go see it. Um, but he's, he is very good. And so, uh, like you were saying, the Tom Clancy is fantastic. Uh, what I, what I found interesting about this was, um, this is the same writing and directing team that, uh, did, uh, Sicario, the day of the Soldado, um, which we'll talk about later. Cause I just watched that this week. So it's kind of funny because I just saw like the writer and the director's names. And then when I saw them attached to this project, I'm like, oh, I know who these guys are. <laughs> nice. So, um, so yeah, that I, I think, uh, I think there's a lot of potential in this and it was originally scheduled for a theater release, but, um, as with everything plans change. So, uh, yeah, so it should be fun to see, see some more Tom Clancy stuff coming out. All right. And speaking of uh, another product that has something new coming out, we have another M. Night Shyamalan release. M. Night! Yes, M. Night Shyamalan is back. Now, perhaps you saw the trailer for his new movie during the Super Bowl. Perhaps you did not. Uh, But the movie is called Old. So he has a new old movie coming out. He does. <laughs> he has a new old movie. Um, so this is uh, we'll link to the trailer for this one, um, but it is basically about a family who stops on a tropical island for rest and relaxation, and all of a sudden they just start rapidly aging. And so they they arrive on the island as a young family with young kids and then the kids start growing up all of a sudden and basically their entire life takes place over the over the course of a day. Um, so I don't really know what to make of this, to be honest with you. Um, I think the title is terrible. I mean, like you can't come like just old, like that's it, old. It's, it's like if you were if you were supposed to just what is what is one word to describe the movie? Old. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like they were playing word association games for the Yeah, for the young movie was show. way better. I agree. <laughs> so that is, not, that is not something that engenders a lot of confidence in this movie. Maybe they should and, have gone with forever old instead of forever young. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's any better or not. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> 
yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, how it is. I, I think, like, if I remember correctly, there was, like, a Star Trek The Next Generation episode that was, like, the plot of this movie mm. and only took, like, 40 minutes. So <laughs> <laughs> seeing how it happens in a whole movie will be interesting. That's the, the biggest thing will be how do they build intrigue and what exactly is happening in this movie because if it's just they go to this island and they get old really fast that's not much of a movie so i feel like there's got to be something else going on yeah like they're gonna have to do more the trailers did not the initial trailer did not do a lot to give you anything of the plot other than they're rapidly getting older and it's freaking them all out so i don't know what to say about that and He's been so hit and miss lately. More miss than hit, I think. But um, Glass and Split were two pretty good movies. So I think he has, he's got it in him still somewhere. But uh, yeah, it's just not a lot of confidence there right now. To I do think it's cool movie. that like they're actually showing his name in trailers now, which they, they weren't for a little while. Like I literally yeah. didn't even know he was associated with Split until the end of the movie. Yeah. At the after credit scene, which I won't spoil if you haven't watched it yet, <laughs> but it was amazing. So I was like, "Wait, wait, was this no?" <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then the credits roll, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I had no idea he was a part of this at all because they like hit it basically." Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. well, <laughs> after how bad movies. after how bad Avatar and the happening went, yeah. they kind of yeah. hid the fact that he was involved in anything after that point for a little while. But it is kind of funny. It's like, we'll let you make movies, but we don't want your name associated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which we'll is put some rem- titles of movies that you were involved with, maybe, but we're not going to put your actual name. <laughs> but it was so funny because for the first few movies, he was the selling point. The next film from M. Night Shyamalan. And yeah. then it goes to the whole way to the reversal of like, nobody, sell- nobody mention him. Just nobody talk about him. Yeah, after Avatar, the movie that does not exist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so things kind of went south for him a little quick there. Yeah, so old will be coming out soon. So make sure you check that one out. Um, and our last story, I didn't want to start with this one because it feels like so many shows we start out with like the most depressing negative story. Um, but uh, on February 5th, the actor Christopher Plummer died. Now, he died at the ripe old age of 91, so he had an excellent life. He had a very, very long career, and he will certainly, he's a legend of film. Um, and so his, he, he's, I think he was starring in movies since 1955. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. And he was, he was in movies right up until the end. So this guy had well over a 60 year career in the movies. It's, it's incredible. Um, so Rob, what are your, I will start with you. What are your initial thoughts about Christopher Plummer? Well, I think uh, I, I don't want to steal all of what you're going to say. So I'm not sure what to say, <laughs> um, but he was in a very recent movie. I'll let you talk about that because uh, I'm sure you want to talk about that. Uh, that was pretty impactful. So I'll, I'll give you that one. Uh, and when I think about him, and this 
this point was actually brought up on sports radio the other day as I was listening to it. A caller called in to talk about Christopher Plummer because Chris Mad Dog Russo was talking about Christopher Plummer. So, <laughs> um, he brought off a really good point and it made me uh, think through some of his work. Uh, the guy mentioned two movies and there one movie that I don't really like. And really it's not fair because the only reason I don't like it is because my mom made me watch it about a billion times when I was a kid and that's the sound of music. Yeah. <laughs> but Christopher Plummer, obviously that was one of his uh, big roles, I guess you could say earlier in his career um, as, as the father of the family um, fighting against the Nazis and resisting. And then the guy brought up a really good point, which I thought really just shows like, I guess the depth and, ability of the actor in mentioning the movie inside man mm -hmm. which is a great movie um but i think when you think of that movie you don't think of his character first you think of denzel washington and you think of clive owen uh but his character arthur case is like the bad guy in the movie uh the guy who is hiding stuff in the safe deposit box that basically ill-gotten gains from helping the nazis which is the exact opposite of what the sound of music was, which I thought was a really interesting point by the person who, who made it on the radio show. I, uh, I went back and watched a couple scenes from inside man that he's in. Mm. And the one scene at the end with Jodie Foster, who's uh, plays uh, inspector, who's trying to figure out what exactly happened in the situation. Um, she goes into like this secret back room barber shop where he's at sitting in a chair relaxing getting shaved and uh she's basically like we got you we figured it out like you made your money off the nazis and he says this quote as i was watching the scene like just gave me chills and he said that the one thing was from a family that he knew when he was in france and he says i could have helped them but the nazis paid too well and the way he delivers that line you can see the tension in the character, just that he's he's upset about how things happen, but he's also not upset about being in the place he is. And like, he just masterfully pulled that off. Yeah. And I think that really speaks to the actor. Like the, those could not be two more opposite roles when you think about them and he nailed both of them. Yeah, and uh, I just I think he's probably a little underrated. Um, I think that probably a lot of people only think about the sound of music, but he did so much more than that. And uh, obviously, in the the main impetus of a very recent movie, which I'm guessing you're going to talk about, uh, and some other stuff. But yeah, what, what do you think of when you think of uh, Christopher Plummer? Well, when I, think of, when I think of Christopher Plummer, the first thing that <clears throat> there's several movies that come to mind really um, when I think of him and um, I will get to the one that you're thinking about if we're thinking about the same movie but one of the first that comes to mind to me actually is his role as General Chang in Star Trek VI The Undiscovered mm. Country. Uh, he plays the Klingon, he plays um, the kind of rogue Klingon who uh, helps to assassinate his own chancellor and plays the main nemesis for Kirk in the final film for the uh, the original series cast, and he is fantastic. 
he's running around quoting Shakespeare in the middle of firing torpedoes away at people. Um, and he plays the, the perfect combination of intelligence, um, viciousness, and snark. So he, he's just, he's very, very good at it. And so that's one of the roles I think about when I think about Christopher Plummer. He will probably most be known for Sound of Music, but um, I'm glad you brought up Inside Man because it was just, he was very, very good in that. Um, but the other one that comes out to me before we get to uh, the last one is um, his role in All the Money in the World. Um, that, that film was crazy because of how he ended up in that role. Uh, the film was entirely finished with Kevin Spacey playing the, the main Getty, the, the, the patriarch of the Getty family in this movie. And then Kevin Spacey had all of the sexual harassment allegations against him. And they recast the movie and reshot it with Christopher Plummer. And he ends up winning an Oscar for best supporting actor in the movie. And I, I, I saw the movie and he was phenomenal. And I was thinking they actually benefited from this because he is a better actor than Kevin Spacey. Sorry, <laughs> he is. And he played the role to perfection. He was so cold and, and uncaring and distant and he did such a great job at it. And that's one of the things I love about him is he can play the bad guy. He can also play the heartfelt, warm, likable character as well. And he played a little bit of both in the movie Knives Out. That's the and one. That's the one. And that's, and that's the role, that's probably the role that he's most recently famous for is the, his, his role in Knives Out as the famous author whose death sparks the entire movie. And it was cool because you get to see him being uh, mean to his own family, but very tender to uh, Anna de Armas' character. And so you get to see both sides of him and his, his character really sets up the structure that makes Knives Out work. Yeah, I, I, uh, I appreciated his role in that movie because essentially I think he functions as a narrator if you think about it, but he's not actually an active narrator, but yeah. his character is kind of the driving force of the whole movie. So I think that's what his character functions as like the, the storytelling story moving device. Um, and it's interesting to see how much influence he has on the people around him. And he plays that part to a T without a doubt. And it's ridiculously impressive when you think about the fact he's like 90 years old when they filmed this movie, <laughs> like the guy was, uh, prolific and proficient until the end yeah and a lot of people cannot say that mm -hmm. yeah so um christopher Plummer had a fantastic career and you will be missed all right so that that brings us to our discussion elements and in in honor of christopher Plummer, i thought it might be fun to dive into our favorites old man actors let's talk about old men yes let's talk <laughs> about old men so there's there is a distinct role in movies for old men actors 
there have, there have been actors who have made almost their entire careers out of being old men. And so I thought it'd be fun to list off uh, some of our favorite old men and uh, perhaps some of our favorite films by them. So Rob, would you like to do the honor of picking the first old man actor? Oh, old man draft, let's go. Uh, yes. So I have two, but I, I'm gonna take the one, I'm gonna take Morgan Freeman. Ah, nice. Because uh, in some ways to me, Morgan Freeman has been like 70 years old uh, for my entire life. <laughs> it feels like watching it, even in the Shawshank Redemption, he seemed old and that was in yes. 1996. Mm -hmm. so that was almost 30 years ago at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i i think that morgan freeman plays the grizzled like uh centered focused character to perfection mm -hmm. um he's great at playing someone who's behind a plot to accomplish something like in now you see me and now you see me too He's also great in trying to figure out a plot as he plays Detective Alex Cross in Long Came a Spider and uh, Kiss the Girls as well. Um, I really, really like Along Came a Spider. I don't think it's a great movie, but I think that he is fantastic in it. I think he, he, he plays that character how it was written to be played, in my opinion. Um, sorry, Tyler Perry. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, Morgan Freeman, uh, obviously I mentioned earlier Shawshank Redemption. When you're in my favorite movie of all time, uh, you get top billing when it comes to something like this. <laughs> cool. All right, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with uh, Richard Harris. Mm. I'm gonna go with Richard Harris. I thought Richard Harris was fantastic as an old man actor. Um, the Count of Monte Cristo, he was great in The Count of Monte Cristo. He was fantastic as Marcus Aurelius in Gladiator. And he played in the first two Harry Potter movies, he played Dumbledore in the first two Harry Potter movies. Um, so those are like, especially that, you know, Dumbledore, like Gandalf are like quintessential old man roles. So if you mm -hmm. end up being the guy in one of the, these old man roles, that's fantastic. Um, then you get plaudits for that. So he had he had this commanding presence, Richard Harris. And I think uh, I would have loved to have seen what he would have done with the rest of the uh, with the rest of the Harry Potter series, because he died in 2002 after the second movie. So then they had to replace him for the remainder of the series. Um, but he was he's so good. And um, the role he played in Marcus Aurelius, I mean, for only being in the first short bit of the movie, cast such a long shadow over that entire film, um, especially with the way the plot went down. Um, just his his role was great. And so I, I got Richard Harris. Well, you mentioned Gandalf, so uh, I'm stealing it. Uh, okay. Ian McKellen. Yeah. Um, I think he might win the award for the best old man fantasy character actor mm -hmm. with uh, Gandalf and Magneto. It's hard to top that. Uh, although there's somebody else who you might mention, I think a bald person who was in a TV show that you really liked <laughs> for a long time. Uh, who was also in some of these movies, but uh, Ian McKellen as Gandalf just oozes power and strength and just the will of good 
and I, I, I loved him in that. And it's funny how in the X-Men movies, he's kind of the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Playing the guy who's not good. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I, I love Ian McKellen. I love seeing all the things he's done. And recently he's also done some more focused drama type pieces and he's just as good in those as he is playing the high fantasy roles so yeah ian mckellen is definitely top, near the top of my list for old man actors mm-hmm. if you haven't seen the good liar check that one out yep that's one of the ones that he's done recently yeah all right so my my second one is michael kane i'm gonna go with michael, michael kane Yes. <laughs> Michael Caine. So yes, Michael Caine, actually, it's, fan- it's interesting because his career kind of hit a lull for a little while. And then he actually credits Christopher Nolan with resurrecting his career. He's been in almost every single one of Christopher Nolan's movies. And that has given him a revival as an actor. And all of those, he's been playing like the old man mentor role, as it were. Um, so he uh, he's kind of like the quintessential like British upper class um, mentor. I, I think he he kind of resembles that high class British uh, acting, and of course he played in um, all the Dark Knight movies. Um, he played in Dunkirk. He played in Tenant. He played in Inception, and he's just always he's always that excellent fatherly figure who gives great advice but if you want to see him kind of as the bad guy you can see him in a movie you just mentioned actually which is now you see me Mm -hmm. where he kind of plays the uh the arrogant rich uh billionaire who uh who is the foil uh to the team of magicians so you get to see a little bit of the of the other side of michael kane as well um and i think i think probably his most underrated role, I think, was his role in The Prestige as the magician's assistant, because his, his role in going back and forth and trying to be the moral conscience of that movie um, unsuccessfully is, is really the necessary element that that movie needed. Yeah, and I would say, uh, like you said, he's had a revival of his career kind of with these old man roles. Some people might not realize that back in the 60s and 70s, he was like a star star. Like if if you watch the original Italian job, he's the main character in that. And he's in several other movies beyond that. And was just as talented back then as he is now, just with uh, like younger body and muscles and the ability to run. It is. It's almost. It's almost funny to watch his older movies because watching get being used to him as he is now with gray hair and that accent, and then watching him young with that accent, kind of like watching Sean Connery, uh, young with the accent. It's just there's something uh, discombobulating about it. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, that was that was fun. And uh, there's there's plenty more old man actors that we could we could spend forever uh, mentioning. But if you have any of your favorites, go ahead and send them over to us and uh, leave them in the comments. And we'd love to hear what who your favorite old man actors are. I feel like the name of this podcast 
episode needs to be old. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a little too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's here's an element that I wanted I wanted to do last week, and we, you know, for a number of reasons, didn't get to it. Um, but February 2nd is, of course, Groundhog Day. And every single year, I like to watch Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. Yes, um, the movie starring Bill Murray and Andy McDowell is a classic and a favorite of mine. And I think it's underrated one of the great movies in cinema history. <laughs> and I will explain why. And I will explain why. But one thing that was fascinating about it was when I looked the next day on Amazon or um, uh, Apple movies, it was listed up there with top movies. So a nice. whole bunch of people apparently had the same idea I did and wanted to watch Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day. I'm pretty sure it's the law, actually. So it's unsurprising. It is. It is. It has to be. <laughs> so, Rob, I want to I get your thoughts on Groundhog Day because I know you watched it this year, too. Mm -hmm. We texted, you know, screenshots back and forth of us watching it. Uh, yeah, I tried to match up the exact screenshot you sent me just to, you know, further, <laughs> further uh, feed the feedback loop. Well, you only had like ten opportunities to catch that scene, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I like Groundhog Day a lot. I think that the concept is pulled off very adeptly, and it's something that could have felt very lame, but uh, uh, Bill Murray's performance carries the movie because he somehow manages to change his character's motivations and feelings and actions and emotions just a little bit between each take that he goes back around things like from beginning to end it's a huge shift but as you're watching through it it's just it's subtle as he goes through the changes from time to time that he's and obviously we don't see every single time that he's reliving this day. But I think my favorite scene of the movie that shows this is when he goes up to the bar next to <laughs> Andy McDowell and orders a drink. And they start to have this conversation. And each time that he goes back up to order the drink, he changes just a little bit of what he's saying in the conversation to make it go exactly the way he wants it to go. Yeah. And that's like just that little minute or so scene really encapsulates the whole thought behind the movie and why it's so clever and well done. Yeah. And I think we've seen this in other movies. Like for anyone who has not seen Groundhog Day, there might be somebody out there who hasn't seen it. Uh, the basic premise is um, Bill Murray is a weatherman who um, is arrogant and self-conceited and just so full of himself and he gets sent to Punxsutawney to cover the groundhog and hates it doesn't want to be there hates it wants to could not get out of there fast enough is forced to spend the night because there's a blizzard that rolled in and he gets stuck in that day perpetually and that's the plot of the movie and what I think is interesting is that you're right and like that concept of playing the same thing over and over again <clears throat> can get very tedious or it can be one of those movies where once you've seen it once you're not that inclined to go back to it 
because you sometimes you have to be in the right frame of mind to to have one of those movies that were, where the scenes just repeat over and over again with slightly different variations. Um, and it doesn't always work. But this is one movie that stays with you and that you want to see over and over again. And I think that's a testament to both the strength of the movie and of Bill Murray and Andy McDowell uh, and the fantastic acting job they did. So my, my theory on this is I think this is one of the best and most accurate character development stories I've seen in film. So this is my contention of why, why Groundhog Day has such a legacy. Now, so you start out with this character. He is wholly inadequate. He's very arrogant and very stuck up. He gets stuck in Punxsutawney perpetually. So the first thing he does is he freaks out like a normal human being would. he freak out, what's going on? The second thing, once he realizes that he can do whatever he wants, he goes down the self-indulgent rabbit hole. And so he does this where he's trying to sleep with all the women. He's driving on the rate, the, the railroad tracks, you know, he takes a you know, he's doing, he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And then he realizes that that isn't, isn't actually fulfilling to him. He has no fulfillment there. So he, he decides, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to aim for something. And he decides, I'm going to, I'm going to aim for Andy McDowell's character. I'm going to try and win her over. And so he tries and tries and tries to win her over only to find out that he as a person is inadequate for her. And once he gets rejected by her, then he becomes extremely depressed. And that depression comes out and he becomes suicidal. And that's, he goes through the phase where he tries to kill himself over and over and over again and can't, which is darkly comical. I think with the best one is when he, uh, he does the, where he kidnaps the groundhog and drives with the groundhog off the cliff into the quarry. <laughs> it's so darkly comical, it's great. Um, but then he realizes, okay, I need to do something about this. And so he starts making his way to being a better person. And so he starts building his character. He starts taking on more responsibility, learning things, helping people. And it isn't until he becomes the person he needs to be that he can actually win Andy McDowell and therefore get stuck in out of the time loop. So I think it's one of the great character development stories. Yeah, definitely. Uh... I'm, one of my favorite parts is when he just kind of gives up completely and is eating every single dessert on the menu. Yes. <laughs> like, life is meaningless. I'm just going to be here for the rest of my life. I might as well just eat whatever I want because tomorrow is just going to be another day. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like when he's driving on the railroad tracks and the cops are following him and then he finally gets pulled over. He's got the drunk guys in the car next to him. And so the cop comes up and he starts giving his drive-through order to the cops. <laughs> <laughs> the guy, the guy, the drunk guy next to him, and how about some flapjacks? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. It's great. So it's Bill Murray, very much like Robin Williams, made that transition from, from being just a strict comedian to being a very good actor. So I think uh, I think he's a legend in, his, in and of himself. So watch Groundhog Day if you haven't. Yeah, and if you haven't, watch Groundhog Day. <laughs>
<laughs> Never gets old, Rob. Never gets old. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's move on to our watch list. Uh, so, Rob, what'd you watch this week? Uh, I watched uh, one movie that you actually watched a few weeks ago and brought up, made me want to watch again because mm. uh, I think I've only seen it one time previously, which is The Born Legacy uh, with Jeremy Renner. And I love when you're watching a movie that you haven't seen in a while and you recognize someone in it who you did not know who they were when you watched it the first time, because that happened to me in this movie uh, when Jeremy Renner's character goes into the woods in the cabin and all of a sudden Oscar Isaac is there. Yeah. <laughs> and this was pretty much before Oscar Isaac had like, I guess you would say his big breakout well before his roles in Star Wars. Uh, and he became kind of like a well-known actor around the world uh, as Poe Dameron. So it was interesting to see him in this slightly smaller role, but he played it really well. And no surprise that he moved, went on from that to do bigger and better things, in my opinion, because I think he's very talented. Yeah. Um, and I really liked, uh, again, seeing how this movie interacted with what was going on in the Bourne movies, um, seeing little scenes spliced in to show you where you were in the timeline and just to get an idea of everything that's going on and uh rachel weiss uh is fantastic in that movie as well and i like her in pretty much everything um but she plays the scientist who's running for her life and terrified who is also strong and becomes stronger through jeremy runner's assistance perfectly and i'm i'm a big fan of the movie and definitely want to see it again again because i liked it even more the second time than i did the first time i saw it so yeah yeah that was one um i also watched one of my favorite movies which i just have to watch every once in a while i can't explain why but every once in a while i just get a feeling that i need to watch this movie right now and that is <laughs> the fifth element ah. uh, with bruce willis mila jovovich and gary oldman that movie is one of my favorite movies. It's probably in my top 25 movies of all time. I don't know where I, I've, we have to do that sometime. Yeah. Like actually, I don't know if I have the brain power to sit down and actually make my top 25 list without driving myself insane, but <laughs> we can give it a shot. Um, and Chris Tucker is great in this movie too, as the high flying radio DJ from outer space, who's absolutely insane and can't figure himself out. He's great. Um, the Fifth Element to me is one of the best fantasy movies I've ever seen. And I think that's because it feels grounded in reality in the sense that you really feel the character's emotions and fears and understand their motivations. It makes sense uh, to us because they're trying to save the world from extinction. So even though it's involving outer space and aliens and a giant evil force coming from across the universe to destroy Earth, it's still focused on that idea of saving humanity, which everybody can relate to because we would all want to save humanity for a similar situation. And Bruce Willis is also fantastic in this movie. I think that I would argue that this is maybe one of his best acted roles. I think it's a little more acting than just action uh, compared to some of the other things he's been in. And uh, Luc Besson just really did a phenomenal job uh, with this movie directing it and shooting it and I think he was involved in the writing too uh, like it's epic I think I think it's 
fair to say that the fifth element is epic and i don't think you can say that about too many movies it just it feels big um it's shot big it's acted big and i love it's like a non-stop joy ride from start to finish for me i love that movie so much and so i just every once in a while i just have to break it out and watch it <laughs> and uh, i always love when i do <laughs> nice Lilu Dallas multi-pass. <laughs> yeah, it's been too long since I've seen it, actually. I've seen it a few times, but it's been a while. Yeah, it's classic. Absolute classic. How about you? What did you watch? So I watched um, the duos of Sicario movies this week. Mm. So the first one, Sicario, is 2015, uh, starring Emily Blunt, Josh Berlin, Benicio Del Toro. Fantastic cast in this movie. Um, and directed by one of my favorite directors, Dennis Villanueva. So uh, the quality on this one is off the charts. This is, this is a mood movie. The mood they set in this movie is perfect for the style of movie it is and for the subject matter that they're dealing with. So basically, Emily Blunt is a straight-laced, by-the-book FBI agent who gets thrown into the underworld of drug cartels, Mexican drug cartels, and the border, and the war against drugs. And it is, it is fantastic because Emily Blunt's character gets thrown into the mix of these semi-rogue CIA agents operating... Um, out pretty pretty much outside the bounds of the law um and she gets played off between josh berlin's character as the cia agent and this mysterious figure benicio del toro who's being brought in as a specialist to help them deal with the situation uh with the drug cartels and what's fantastic about it is the the movie is kind of seen through the eyes of emily blunt as she's trying to figure out what is going on in this world and why things are happening. So there's a fantastic scene at the very beginning where she breaks into this house and just finds, um, it's, a drug, it's a drug house and she finds a whole bunch of dead bodies in bags in the walls. And she knows all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is something very, very different. And the movie just goes on from there. And it's the, the soundtrack in the back is just pulsating the whole time and just sets this like tension, this mood. It's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a little bit more than, than what I would say a slow burn, but it's just has these moments of, of just sheer chaos to it. And you have the feeling like you're out of control the whole time and trying to figure out what's going on. It's really, really well done. Yeah, I would say that movie, if there's one word I could use to describe it would be weighty. Mm. Like you just feel, you feel it as you're watching the movie, you feel her character's frustration and growing anger and like confusion and not being able to have control of the situation. And it like, it permeates the movie and you actually feel it physically. Yeah. Um, I would say like that, like Uncut Gems would be another movie like that where you just feel like you're having a panic attack when you watch it. <laughs> the emotion of the movie just jumps right off the screen at you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the second Sicario, Day of the Soldado, does not have Emily Blunt in it. 
and this one came out in 2018. And I was not sure what to think going into that movie when I first saw it in theaters, because the whole, the whole crux of the first movie, what makes it dramatic is Emily Blunt's character as a foil to Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro. So how those two would work without that counterbalance of Emily Blunt in the movie, I wasn't sure how that dynamic was gonna work. So um, in Day of the Soldado, now it had a different director, which we talked about. It's gonna be the same director um, who is in um, the new Michael B. Jordan movie, and that's uh, Stefano Solima. Um, but it was written by the same guy, Taylor Sheridan. But I would say that it is a solid movie. It's another movie that deals with drug cartels and, and the border. And in this case, it half pits Benicio Del Toro against Josh Brolin a little bit. So it, it turned kind of the two of them around a little bit. Um, and it really focuses more on on the elements of corruption and the elements of kind of how nothing changes and things just keep staying the same and it gets bad. So it's a good movie and it's definitely worth seeing, but it does not have, it does not have kind of that extra excellence that the first movie brought. Um, so it's a worthy inclusion, but it's not, it doesn't rise to the level of, of what the original Sicario did. Yeah, I would say that I think, uh, when you're looking at the two that this movie is more of a vehicle uh, for Benicio del Toro. And I think that he's superb in it. Like mm -hmm. you said, I don't, I don't think it's quite the level of the first one, but I think he's fantastic. Yeah. And it, I, I would say it's probably one of the better movies I've seen him in uh, as a role. So yeah, he's, definitely he's, check it out. If you're a fan of Benicio del Toro. He's but, really, really good um, in these movies. Yeah. So the last one for me was Collateral. We had mentioned it uh, a week or two ago on the podcast, um, which stars Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx. Tom Cruise with his most unique look, I think, with like a completely gray haired Tom Cruise, which is something we're not used to see. Yeah. Uh, but Tom Cruise plays an assassin who ends up getting into Jamie Foxx's cab and he intends on Jamie Foxx just driving him around while he commits assassinations all night without knowing any better. And then <laughs> once the first body falls out of the window and hits his cab, it's on from there. And so it's the, it's again, it's one of those character movies where it goes back and forth between you got the assassin and you've got this kind of timid, mild mannered cabbie who is a bit of an underachiever in life because he doesn't have enough confidence and to watch as he's put in these situations where he has to adapt and grow as a person throughout the movie is, is really, really cool. It's really fun. It's really fun to see. And it's nicely counterbalanced by, um, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, I can't uh, help you because I, I haven't actually seen this movie. Jada Pinkett. <laughs> yeah. So I need to get on that. Yeah. Jada Pinkett. Um, because she comes into his cab at the beginning and then she comes back at the end. So she kind of ends up like an inclusio that is kind of a reference to where his character was and then where his character ends up. Um, right. So very similar to the role of Helen Hunt in Castaway, 
where you kind of need that element right at the beginning to set the stage for what's going to happen as the movie goes on. So uh, definitely worth watching um, and really, really good soundtrack to this one. Really good soundtrack. All right, Rob, let's close it out with what we're going to watch this coming week. Give the people something to watch. What do you got? I honestly have no idea, <laughs> which <laughs> nice. is a great content. You know, I'm here to, I'm here to provide the people with a service. So, yeah. uh, but I, I have a wide variety of streaming services and plan on looking through them to find something to watch. I do actually one that I think I am going to watch this week is the witches on HBO mm -hmm. max that they did a revival of it recently with Stanley Tucci as the main character and my wife really likes him she did not like the original version of the movie so we're gonna see if stanley tucci makes her like the movie i guess because <laughs> so i'll probably be watching it with her nice um for me i'm gonna check out the little things again um now that i know what happens i would love to go back and see um see where we're at on that so i'm looking forward to seeing the little things again and um, it's, I want to watch the Justice League, the original version of the Justice League. I kind of started it a couple days ago and got about a half hour in, but I want to finish that up. You just want to be depressed, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, at some point I was going to need to watch it again before I watched the Snyder cut. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at some point I had to go down that road. You could just spend like a literal whole day watching both of them the day it comes out, I guess. I, I'm going to need to like mentally prepare yeah. <laughs> for the Snyder cut. Like I, I think you need to like, you I need a lot, of, a lot of nachos for that one. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to have to clear out my mind. Like I'm going to have to be in a good headspace to watch four hours of a Zack Snyder movie. So I don't know if it's possible to have a good enough headspace where that's a worthwhile <laughs> and safe activity for one's mental well-being. It's but, true. Yeah, we're going to have to give it a shot at some point. All right. All right. Well, that is the show for today. Um, make sure you check out filmforfans.com. Um, one thing I'm going to be working on this weekend is I want to put out a list of romantic movies that both of you can watch and Aww. enjoy. Aww. So I'm going to put that out on, on filmforfans.com. So, so check out the website and, uh, and be looking for that as we come up on Valentine's Day. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. It's available on all of the major streaming platforms, as well as our YouTube channel. And we've got a lot of uh, good fans over on the YouTube channel. So thank you guys for watching us. Um, until next time, enjoy the movies. Enjoy the movies. <laughs>